the high schools. If it's the sport you care about, we're talking about it. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. The Full Court Press, everybody. Audrey Salves and Eric France in 106.9 FM, 1390 AM and 106.9thefan.com. However, wherever you're joining us, we're grateful that you are doing so. Hope your day is as good as ours. The weather has been absolutely wonderful these past few days. Uh, you got one more good day, according to a weather report. Then it's going to be bad. Then it's going to be back to being good. So um, we can get through it. But it's, it's good to have nice weather back. Yes. Oh, my gosh. I was outside uh, on a work project today. and uh, We were walking around in the sun and felt great. What were you doing? Well, like, what's your outside work project exactly contain? Like, what do we? Well, if you want to know specifics, it was uh, there's a broadcast tower, and we need a cement pad poured next to it for some new equipment. So, did we take photos of this? Uh, no. We need to start getting people to take photos of you doing whatever it is. I mean, whether you are playing football and getting mushed by somebody, or you're out doing cement work, we need these kind of photos. First of all, who would want to see that? And I would, two, and it's it incriminating. Really isn't that interesting. We call it incriminating evidence. <laughs> okay. And I can use it for as for whatever I would like. Hey, if you want to be involved in the show, you're more than welcome to do so at 435-339-0321. Again, 435-339-0321. A lot to get to. You'll hear the part two of Craig, uh, Mount West Conference Commissioner. Craig, man, that's a tongue twister. Craig Thompson, who uh, who had a part two on uh, on some interesting uh, insights of what through what going through COVID nineteen. Great stuff yesterday. The one today focuses mostly on football and kind of a timeline, and he reiterated a lot of things that we've been talking about. If if one state is able to do things, but another isn't. That makes it very, very complicated. Yeah, absolutely. At 420, we'll have the Senior Athletic Director or a Senior Associate Athletic Director of External Affairs, Casey Smitheroy, will be joining us here on the uh, Full Court Press about what a small school going through COVID-19 is like. And the reason we're talking to him, I mean, he was here at Utah State for a long time, and uh, he's got another opportunity down at Southern Utah. But Great opportunity. It, we learned today, and we just heard it at the top of the hour here, uh, Boise State University furloughing some of their coaches. Basically, anybody on staff that makes a salary over $40,000, so that's that's most of your coaches. Yeah, that's a huge uh, they're deal. Out of, basically, they're out of work for 10 days. Um, and so it's uh, we've seen things like this happen at, at uh, athletic departments and universities across the country. Haven't really heard too much locally, but um, I, I'm I'm suspecting that we'll see more of that. Um, you know, the things we heard from Co- uh, Commissioner uh, Thompson yesterday, s- uh, the member institutions in the Mountain West are out at least a million dollars already, just because the NCAA tournament didn't happen. Now things are. There's a lot of question about what's other things got canceled in the spring. There's high uh, doubt about what might happen in the fall. Um, so, yeah, athletic departments are really, really hurting. So it'll be yeah, an interesting perspective. Yeah, and then and that's a perspective I'm actually really excited to hear from. So we'll have Casey on about 420. Uh, we'll run through uh, that interview, and then we'll take a long commercial break afterwards and then wrap up the show for uh, a Tuesday evening. Again, thanks for coming to the Full Court Press. Grateful to have you. Uh, Eric, big news, as you heard at the top of the hour, Rob Gronkowski, who had retired from football, 
appeared at WrestleMania, one of the greatest tight ends to ever play the game, wants to come back, but says he'll only come back on one huge caveat. He wants to play for Tom Brady. So in that case, Bill Belichick says, all right, I'll take that wrestler who hasn't played for me, and I'll trade you for a fourth-round pick, and I'll give you a seventh round as well. Uh, I feel like players don't want to play for Bill Belichick. I'm starting to kind of get this thought that Brady could handle it for only so long because Brady's mentally tough and he can deal with it. Rob Gronkowski, I think, was absolutely just sick of it at some point to where he was like, I'm done. I'm done with this. And then he left football, and then when he wanted to come back, and Tom Brady's playing for the Wait Buccaneers. What? You? What? Yeah. Hang on here. Bump the brakes. I know. I know. is disparaging Bill Belichick. I You're know. talking bad on Bill Belichick. Well, I, no, okay. I want to make sure I'm hearing this I'm correctly. Just, I'm just wondering what the crap is going on. Okay? My team is falling apart. My coach is suffering from Alzheimer's or just whatever it is. Look, Bill has been pretty famous. Coach Belichick has been pretty famous for um, finding, for really well, a couple of things. One, finding guys, giving them second opportunities, sometimes a third opportunity to rehab their career and finding ways to make it really work inside his program. He's done a really good job with that on a number of different occasions. Two, letting people go um, when it think when most people would think, hey, this guy's still good. Why are you get you know, letting this guy go? But turns out they really weren't that great after they left New England. So he understands what their usefulness, their their time of usefulness is, and he knows when to buy low and sell high, if you will. So and I think with Tom Brady and uh, Gronkowski, look, these guys are older in their careers and playing in New England. In November isn't easy on the body, especially when you're that old and that beat up. But honestly, I don't see. I think that New England got a steal. They got those draft picks for a guy they didn't have anyway. It's, those are free picks. Those are free players that they got. And Gronkowski wasn't wasn't going to do anything. And I don't know that he'd really do much in Tampa either. With all of his injuries, he's been out of the game for a while. I just don't see. He'll really even play. Wait, they, you don't think he'll play in Tampa Bay? Or I don't he, think he'll get. I don't think he'll see the field very much. Gronkowski? Yeah, <laughs> he's had so many injuries. He's been out of the game, and he, I just don't think that he'll be. He's going to play. He won't be effective. Yes, he will. I don't think he will. Rob Gronkowski will probably be the top in the top three category of tight ends and receiving yards. Oh, no. Yes, he is. He's that good. He's only taken one year off. It's like it's like Michael Jordan taking off some time from basketball, goes plays baseball, which is a more relaxing sport, and then turning around and saying, "Okay, I'm ready to go back and play basketball," and then dominating the NBA again. But he was in his prime. He wasn't already riddled with multiple different types of injuries. Uh, true. But I just, I mean, the time off has got to have helped Gronk in some way. My question, my question some, is, there could be some truth to that. Is that Gronk had said numerous times just immediately after his retirement that he didn't enjoy playing football anymore. That he just didn't enjoy it like he used to. That he was tired of it. So then what all of a sudden just sparked you? Then all of a sudden you're like, you know what? I'm ready. I'm ready to go play some football again. Yeah, I maybe feel Tom's great. down there in Florida saying, hey, I need a familiar face. OJ, Maybe he's reaching out to a lot of dudes. Dude, and saying, he's got I need a Mike Evans. Face. He's got OJ Howard. What else do you need, bro? <laughs> I don't know. 
That's like having Julian Edelman, Randy Moss, and Gronk on your team all at once in their prime, which is absolutely disgusting. Like, Tampa Bay has become your new NFC Super Bowl favorite. Their new NFC Super Bowl favorite goes to Tampa Bay. The question will be, what do they do with O.J. Howard now? Now that you have Gronk, because now you got to split reps. Either Mike Evans, O.J. Howard, or Gronk is going to be really upset towards the end of the season because they're not getting enough touches. No, they won't. They'll have plenty of touches. By the end of the season, Gronk won't even be seeing the field. Gronk will lead, Gronk will be in the top three in tight ends receiving yards. OJ Howard will be number one or two with or three with him. That's how good Gronk is. That's how That's how good he was. No, how do you know? How do you know he's not good, still good? Look, he was already fading. And well, that, what he, are you talking about? He wasn't he's fading. taking time off. He wasn't I don't think he'll be physically able. He'll try to get his body back into shape. Yes, maybe some time off was was good for him in some ways, but he's had so many significant injuries. I don't see him really being a, even a factor late in the season. It might look nice early, but I don't see him making a full season. I think these younger guys that they already have are are, are going to fill their roles. Tom Brady's going to be thrown to them. Gronk will be there to to mentor them. Sure, maybe he'll see the field a couple different times. Maybe he'll make a great catch. We'll think, yeah, that's Gronk. But uh, I just, I don't see it. I think New England got out with a great deal on this. Uh, yeah, that's that, that's bat crap crazy, man. So, so in the NFC South, okay, you have Tom Brady, Mike Evans, Chris Goodwin, Rob Gronkowski, and maybe O.J. Howard, depending if he or doesn't get traded. Versus, say, something like, the New Orleans Saints, who's got Drew Brees, Michael Thomas, uh, Alvin Kamara, Jared Cook, and I think they have Emmanuel Sanders. That is going to be a loaded NFC South, and that's going to be a heck of a football game too. Uh, man, that I mean that changes everything. If you're in the NFC, you're thinking, well, fuck, let's just go to the uh, let's just go to the AFC. It's garbage now. It's the Chiefs and nobody else. Because now, San Francisco, Tampa Bay, New Orleans, I'm not ruling Chicago out, Green Bay Packers, Minnesota Vikings are all really good contending football teams in the NFC. Am I missing anybody? Dallas, no. New York Giants, no. Washington, Philadelphia, no. NFC East is just crap. NFC East is what the AFC East is. Um. Yeah. I think that's that's a loaded NFC, and I can only imagine what Tom Brady when he got there is getting OJ and Mike, and then going to the to Bruce and saying, "Hey, look, we need one more guy, and I know who you can get for a cheap price." In Gronk, Gronk really doesn't care about the money as much as he just wants to come back and play and play with us. I mean, that's just <laughs> now look. I I hated Aaron Hernandez after everything came out. But when Aaron Hernandez was playing football for the Patriots before all that stuff, unreal. Him and Gronk on the field were unstoppable. As long as they were healthy. This is going to be with O.J. Howard, Mike Evans, Chris Goodwin, uh, and uh, Rob Gronkowski will be double what that matchup or that combination is. Double. 
this is how good they're going to be. So, do the Buccaneers, do they move O.J. Howard or do they, they stick with him? See, now that's a, that's a key question. And and it's, if you're O.J., are you excited that you got robbed or are you like, dude, those are my catches, those are my yards, those are my touches? If he's smart and if the Buccaneers are smart, they keep him. They don't move him because um, – now, for one, defenses, if we're going to assume that Gronkowski will be effective, defenses will be troubled with who do they, uh, who, who do they target. Uh, Brady's going to have two great guys to throw it to. Uh, and I think that maybe O.J. Howard, he could learn a few things from Gronkowski. I also don't think that Gronkowski is going to be nearly as effective late in the season. And so you'll get your touches. You'll get your catches. If you're O.J. Howard. Okay, look, okay, let me let me rephrase something. Gronkowski doesn't need to play all 60-something plays of a game. He just needs to be on the field for your critical ones, and he's going to be on the field for the critical ones at, at the end of a game. Like, when you can rotate O.J., when you Rob, know you need a Chris reliable, Godwin, Mike Evans, player. in and out, like, he, dude, you're, it's money. It is cash money every single freaking time. That is so dangerous, what they've got on the field. And I and I hate to be that guy right now, but I could I could sniff a fifteen and one season. I think they split with the Saints. They lose one, they win one. But oh man, I can't wait. Now the question, I think the real question is, do I go buy a Gronkowski and Brady Bucks jersey now? <laughs> yeah, is your loyalty to the team or to the players? <sighs> man, okay. So look, I've been a diehard Brady guy. Uh, do I? Oh man. Yeah, I Difficult mean... Difficult life decisions, AJ. I need to find the cool jerseys, though, like the black ones. If I can find the black jerseys, yeah. I'll go buy me a uh, a Buccaneers, Brady, and Gronkowski jersey and and be okay with that. This is just kill me as a Patriots fan, though, man. I hope Belichick's got some up his sleeve. And, dude, what about Edelman? Like, Edelman was... When he first walked in in 2009, he had Randy Moss, he had Tom Brady... He had Wes Welker. Uh, he had Benjamin Watson. He had reliable receivers, great running game, good leadership. In 2010, add on Rob Gronkowski and Aaron Hernandez. Aaron Hernandez goes ahead and does something stupid, and and you know he's gone. Uh, so now you got Gronkowski, Dion Branch, uh, Stallworth. Wes Welker, and Edelman. So you're still pretty good. And you've got that group till about 2013, 14, give or take. And then you get Amendola, uh, and you get Chris Hogan, who were nobodies, and then they go into the system and then become somebodies, but they take a ton of pressure off of uh, Edelman. Now, you don't have Gronk. Flash forward to 2020, no Gronk, no Amendola, no Hogan, no Brady, no Moss, no Branch, no Super Bowl. No bueno. <laughs> Do yeah. you try to get yourself out of New England? Uh, I'd probably say no. Because as long as Robert Kraft is the owner, and as, as long as uh, Bill Belichick is the head coach, they've had a pretty good formula of success over the last how many years? 
Granted, that it's to be the first time doing it without Tom Brady at the helm, under, or at least under center. But um, they've they've changed a lot of other moving pieces around Tom Brady, and so many been able to make it work. Yeah, but no, I mean, dude, now you're talking about like what's his Jared Stidham as your quarterback, and your backup might be Brian Hoyer, or he might be your starting Jared Stidham might be your backup. And if Jordan Love comes in, then who knows what's going to happen. But I I don't know how you <laughs> I don't know how you recover from this kind of a massive loss. Like I mean, because Brian Hoyer is not Tom Brady. Well, uh, okay, Tom Brady is a loss, but nobody should be viewing Gronkowski as a loss because you didn't have him. You you should have already felt like this guy's retired. He's out of the system. He didn't play at all last year. Were you honestly anticipating that he was going to maybe come back and play for New England this fall? Who, Tom? No. Rob? Gronkowski. No. No. I thought he was done. Right. So, but I, I, I but don't know why New England Patriot fans are like, oh my gosh, this is suddenly this huge loss. It was already a loss. It was a loss a year and a half ago. It's not Fair. new. Good point. Fair enough. And then just in, in exchange, New England, for not having a guy, suddenly ended up with two extra draft picks. Oh, they're fourth-rounders. It's a fourth-round pick. Okay, by then you're looking at the waterboy and equipment managers. Still, it's, 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 it's volume. It's opportunities to, to package and move up in the draft if you, if you need. It's their, their assets that are able to go out and fill out a roster or package a deal. Or package a deal. All right, we're going to take a break. Coming back, Casey Smitherweight, the uh, Senior Associate AD of External Affairs, will join us. He's from Southern Utah University, was a former Aggie, has now moved on. Uh, we are also... Yeah, speaking of Aggies, big news today from Utah State. Really good news, too. 212 USU student-athletes, putting the student in athletes. Uh, Whiteside Scholar-Athletes announced. Hey, should we play some graduation music and, and name each one? <laughs> no, that is a long list. <laughs> that is a very long list. I just thought I could take up some time. There are some notables that we want to highlight in this. So uh, Utah State student-athletes doing their work in the classroom, and we certainly want to do our best to recognize them. Uh, it's, uh, from what I understand, I think it's on Cash Valley Daily, so you can go check it out there if you want to see that full list so we don't have to read them all in person. <laughs> all right, it's all coming up on the Full Court Press, 106 NFM, 1390 AM, The Fan. The Full Court Press. Connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and online at 1069thefan.com. Eric France and Andre Salas from Full Court Press, 106 NFM, 1390 AM, The Fan, 106thefan.com. Thanks for joining us, however, wherever you are doing so. Grateful to have you along. Uh, excited about our next guest here coming up here on the uh, on the Full Court Press. Uh, a guy who I actually... You don't make a lot of friends. It's, it's hard for me to make friends for some reason, but this guy was one of my... Uh, I, I'm going to call him a friend of mine. Uh, he's a good dude as well. He's a Senior Associate AD of External Affairs at Southern Utah University, formerly of Aggie Nation. It is Casey Smitherway. Casey, my man, thanks for joining us. How are you? Hey, I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me on today, AJ. Hey, uh, Casey, what has COVID-19 been like for, and I guess more specifically, for a smaller university like Southern Utah? It has been uh, an adventure, just to say the least. Uh, I, I mean, going back to the Big Sky basketball tournament, uh, you know, I, Utah State, the, the one year they bumped everything up a week. I mean, looking back on that, how how 
awesome was that ending? But for also the Mountain West to have the conference tournament, you know, week, uh, a week before everybody else. But it was a Wednesday morning uh, and or Wednesday night, and all of a sudden I was at a, at a at a donor and alumni dinner with our president and athletic director. And I remember looking down on my phone and seeing the news breaking about Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell, and you know, showing it to our AD and president, and they just went, "Wow!" And our president said something very interesting. He said, "I, I don't think anything's going to be the same after this." And the next morning at 8.30, we had about a 45-minute phone call conversation with, uh, with the conference as well as uh, our, our team at SUU. And they said, all systems are go. We're still playing. The tournament's going to go on as, as planned. And you know, I got on the treadmill, came back to my hotel room, and, and uh, sat down. And I looked at my phone. It said, canceled. We're all get packing up and getting on the bus. And right there, that decision, I mean, that was four hundred, five hundred thousand dollars $500,000 of a hit. Uh, I know we were expecting about a $1.1 million coming in from the NCAA from the March Madness. And all of a sudden that, that shrunk down to about 450000 And for a small institution, for really any institution, we're all affected. But, you know, for an, a small institution that, you know, relies heavily on NCAA distributions or, you know, guarantee games, or I know some people refer to them as body bag games where you're going to go get paid and you're going to get blown out and, and hopefully you can win a couple of them. I mean, that represents a good chunk uh, of an athletic department budget. And you could even throw on from a, you know, a campus standpoint, you know, student fees. What happens if you don't have students on campus? I mean, can you validate not having student fees or whatnot? So all in, you know, COVID-19 really challenged, I think, uh, the sports industry as a whole to look at how they're doing things on a day-to-day operations, both short-term and long-term. Hey, Casey, this is Eric Franson. Um, we heard some comments from Mountain West Conference Commissioner Craig Thompson uh, yesterday about you know, schools maybe needing to be more creative in reducing costs so they don't have to eliminate sports or eliminate staff. That's still up in the air here a little bit about, depending on how long this goes on. But there's also news today in, uh, in Boise State, like Brian Harson is being furloughed. I mean, here's a guy that's, uh, won a ton of games and means a lot to that university and uh, the money that is brought in. and But not just him, but a lot of other coaches are being furloughed for 10 days just to help save costs. Are things like that happening at Southern Utah or what, what's being considered or discussed there at Southern Utah uh, to still uh, weather this storm? Well, the storm, unfortunately, I hate to admit it, I don't, it, it it's far from over. I think uh, in a couple of weeks we might have, a, you know, Hurricane COVID, you know, that the eye of the storm where it might seem like everything's going to calm down. But I think as we get closer to the fall, uh, it, it just takes one team. It takes one student athlete. It takes one athletic trainer. I mean, I was looking at uh, Alabama's schedule a couple of nights ago, and they open up against USC, a Pac-12 opponent. What happens if it was just a, a trainer who gets it in, in September and they turn around and play Georgia State, which is a Sun Belt Conference school? Then they play Georgia and SEC school, well, school, and all those other schools go on to play Sun Belt, Independence, uh, ACC schools. It just takes one. And I think uh, our vice president, Mike Pence, mentioned that you know sports aren't going to return unless students back are, on, are back on campus. Um, but as far as SUU, we're still looking and having conversations of how those spring sports student-athletes look, uh, what we need to do to kind of tighten our budget. The nice thing is uh, we already have a small budget. Uh, we're, in the, we're the bottom third of the Big Sky Conference, and that's why you know, fundraising, revenue generation, corporate sponsorships are huge for us. Uh, you know, It's 20 to 25% for a couple of local businesses uh, have, have 
Well, a couple of donors have told me that 20 to 25 percent of their business comes on game days, whether that be for football or men's basketball. That's a huge hit to any any uh, local business, whether it's in Cache Valley, whether it's uh, here in Cedar City or, or, or Tuscaloosa, Alabama. And it goes even beyond that, where you know those those are also your corporate sponsors. You know, can they afford to to maintain high level of, of dollars going back into the university um, from an SUU? Uh, standpoint as well. Our number one priority coming from uh, President Wyatt and our athletic director, Debbie Quorum, is that we're going to do our best to maintain uh, all of our full-time employees. Now, we're asking our coaches to consider, you know, to maybe minimize the, the roster travel size. Instead of 18, can we get away with 16? Can we go on the road and, you know, find a find another team to play on the back end of, of a road trip instead of making two separate road trips? Uh, you know, I, I was talking to a, a gentleman who works in Conference USA, and he said that uh, they're they're expecting their men's basketball teams to play an extra guarantee game, and, and even beyond that, uh, I, those guarantee monies are, are going to be lower. Uh, are, nobody knows what they don't know. I don't know what I don't know. And I was on the phone with a couple institutions about scheduling uh, a future football game and, and potentially a basketball game, and, and all the kind of going rates for contracts are up in the air. Uh, our, our president at SUU, I, I had a conversation with him. He felt comfortable enough to, to disclose this uh, to myself as also uh, you know, our, our staff and faculty that if we do have layoffs, he's going to be the first layoff. He's not going to take a salary for a year. And that's something that I can get behind. That's something that I think our, our community can get behind. But our, our goal is to maintain and, and retain uh, our employees. So I guess straight up, do you think that there will be a college football season that starts on time or no? If I was a betting man, I'm going to say, uh, and no compliance folks are listening right now, I hope. I'm not betting. Don't worry. Um, we're, we're, I, I don't think we're going to have a, a college football season as we expect it. Uh, I would imagine there's going to be you know, a, a shortened season, adjusted season at some point, whether that be in the fall, the winter. I know there's a proposal out there from a small school that not a lot of people know about have just asked the NCAA to redshirt the whole season, redshirt the whole year. I mean, we're talking – from gymnastics to tennis, football, everything in between. Just redshirt the whole year, and let's start start afresh again in 2022. Uh, I don't think we will have a football season as we know it. Again, going back to that Alabama schedule, I mean, within the first three weeks, you know, you're affecting six different conferences. I mean, that's unreal. If you have one student athlete, one trainer, or one person associated with the program, it's just going to cause a domino effect. Or one state that says, hey, we're still in a bad situation, a hot spot, I just don't think it's going to happen. Uh, Casey, there's the couple several weeks back here now. The NCAA said that they will grant an extra year of eligibility to seniors of uh, who participated in in spring sports. But with that, they said they're going to leave that up to member institutions to decide if they will if they will honor that. Because there's a big question about uh, financial support, mm-hmm. you know, scholarships, how that affects your rosters, how that affects your recruiting. Uh, how some have fl- flat out said, "Look, we're, it's nice that they're offering this, but we're not going to do it." Wisconsin has already come out and said, "We're it was a nice gesture, but we're we're not going to do it. It's going to be too problematic." Have those discussions been taking place at Southern Utah? Absolutely. Uh, I think every institution is looking at every avenue of of honoring those scholarships. Uh, I, I can speak as being a former student athlete. Granted, I was not a good former student athlete, but I can also speak to to being a, a coach for a non revenue sport. 
there we want the best for our student athletes. Uh, from an administrative standpoint, we also got to make sure that we're not putting a university in a, in a, in a difficult situation. We don't we don't ever want to be a liability to the institution, uh, whether that be at Texas A and M or you know or Kansas State or, or Southern Utah University. We want to make sure that we're honoring the, the four years, getting our student athletes an education. I mean, I think often. Uh, we forget student athlete. The student comes first. Not the, the former is more important than the latter. And if we honor those, you know, scholarships to get their degree, to get their education, to prepare them for the next step in life, uh, I feel comfortable with, uh, with 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 that scholarship opportunity at SUU. But going back to, you know, we have a track and field student athlete who broke two indoor records, and she was close to qualifying for Olympic trials. I mean, she's not going to be able to to compete uh, to be able to qualify for the Olympics. I mean, gymnastics seems like they, they broke school records here, you know, every meet. Uh, we have a lot of unique circumstances from all our spring sports and even our winter sports that are going to be affected. Uh, I hope we can give our student athletes that, that extra year, but you mentioned roster sizes, limitations, recruiting. Uh, I'm not sure if our international students are going to get to campus this year. Uh, I, I think the ones who are returning will be able to, but I'm not sure if, if, we have a, a prospective student athlete that signed with us from Australia. If they're going to even get in the country, uh, you're kind of having a phantom double recruiting class for freshmen. And yes, we have a one year eligibility release, but what happens in years two, three, four, I know when I was coaching, we had a six year plan. BYU has like a 39 year plan for <laughs> recruiting, but it, it just impacts everything that we do. And again, going back to being a small institution, you have to be creative. Uh, you know, there, this still isn't a, a car wash bake sale mentality, but we have to find ways to improve to, you know, becoming the black and, you know, versus the red. And we were on pace to have our first year in the black in, in a long, long time. We have an excellent CFO in Nate Esplin. You know, Debbie's been a great athletic director to oversee, uh, you know, our improvement. But there's just tons of question marks. And, and I hope for the best. But, you know, everything as we know it, I think, is, is going to change. Uh, I was talking to a, a school back east. They, to save money, and I'm ready for this, to save money, they locked out their coaches and their administrators from their offices. Uh, they don't, you know, utilities, whatnot. I mean, they, they changed locks. They used other locks. So employees aren't working on campus. And this is a school that, you know, runs one of their spring sports teams on a $60,000 budget as a whole, 60000 to run a sports team. Uh, and that's scholarships included. Uh, that th- there's a lot of question marks out there, and I just hope that fans return and NCAA returns to the quote-unquote new normal. So, so Casey, just to follow up, so are will Southern Utah follow the the opportunity the NCAA has laid out? Will those seniors get that extra year of eligibility, or has that not yet been decided? We haven't decided that. In fact, we had a conference call this morning and also met with our, our head coaches and, and discussed a little bit more in depth about those opportunities. And, you know, again, we're going from we're expecting $1.1 million down to 450K. Uh, you're going to have to find cuts somewhere. And, you know, our, our student athletes, you know, had a, a 3.25 GPA. So they're getting it done in the classroom. Um, we want to bring them back, but we also got to make sure that, A, we have the financials, and, B, you know, this is going to help us in the long term. And, you know, I, I, I never want to put student athletes – on a pedestal. Uh, you know, I, I don't know of too many students here on campus anywhere in America that are saying, you know what? I didn't get my senior year. I'm, I'm going to come back. I'm going to say no to that full-time job and I'm going to come back for next year. I know some student athletes here at SUU, even at Utah state 
that have great jobs and opportunities, and they've already said, no, I don't want to be back. So it's kind of a case-by-case basis. Hey, I want to ask about, like, usually some schools will play big money games in football and take and be able to collect some of that money to help out with whatever costs they need. Do you guys have any of those games? And if football season is delayed or postponed or canceled, how much does it affect you guys financially not to have those kind of big money games? Well, I mean, if you can, you know, look at September 12th, we're playing uh, a school that I think we're both familiar with, Utah State University. Uh, I like to joke that I've probably watched a, a football game from every uh, vantage point at, at Maverick Stadium except one, and that's the visiting athletic director suite. And uh, September 12th might change that because I'll be in there. Uh, you know, that's a game that's a low, low six figures for us. And that's something that we were planning on, on having and leveraging. And, you know, this isn't, you know, the SEC or the Big Ten where, you know, we're expecting 50 to $60 million just from the TV networks to come in and, and, and offset costs. We're looking to take that money and be able to, to pay, you know, our operational costs for, you know, our, our, our men's and women's tennis team to travel. Uh, I think the worst case scenario for us as an FCS institution is if we, you know, play conference only games. Uh, we, we were already planning on having a lean year because our one quote unquote money game was Utah State and uh, it was a lower payout. I'll make sure I talk to John a little bit about that next time around and, and maybe uh, get a little bit higher uh, amount. But uh, we, we need to make sure that we're finding the right amount of guarantee games to offset our, our costs. But, you know, this year, everything's up in the air. If we only have our conference games, you know, that that's, again, low figures. Uh, low six figures hit to our budget. Uh, we don't make millions and millions of dollars off of our concessions and our, you know, our stands packing our 8,500 seat stadium. Now, this is a great institution. It's a great campus. It's a great community. We're going to pack it out here every weekend for men's and women's basketball, football, you know, track, you know, track and field cross country, but we're not going to have the financial uh, advantages that some other institutions have. So we have to rely on some of those guarantee games and, you know, thinking about fans coming back into the stadium, you know, it, any institution is probably going to face a hit. I know there's a big question right now, of, you know, are fans going to come back? Uh, I know for myself, if, if I'm thinking about going down to a Raiders game, if they're playing in Las Vegas, this is in the back of my mind of, of hesitation. If I'm hesitating as one, you know, I, I think I'm a, a huge sports fan. If I'm hesitant, I'm pretty sure there's other fans that are out there that are hesitant. I would hope the NCAA really looks at, you know, maybe loosening up, you know, the, the, the 15,000, you know, attendance requirement for FBS institutions, you know, maybe bring in what the NFL did and uh, improve the fan experience by allowing, you know, touchdown celebrations. Uh, you know, the NBA has in-game music, you know, maybe we can bring in NBA in-game music um, or in-stadium technology to the fans who actually come into the stadium. That's a huge question mark for us. And that's also still a revenue generator that we need to look at and find ways to maximize. And that's if we, A, we have football, B, if we have corporate sponsorships, and C, if we want fans to be back in the stadium. If, by chance, students are allowed back on campus, but the order is that, that you can't congregate for you know, anyone, any, any groups of more than 100 people or more than 500 people, and that affects, you know, we can still stage a, a sporting event, but no fans would be allowed in the in the uh, in the stands for an institution like Southern Utah. Could that still be plausible, or is it just like you know, we just got to call it a day? Just say unless we can have the fans in the stands, we can't have these games because we would need the the financial part that comes along with the concessions and the ticket sales and everything else, sponsorships and everything else. It's all on the table. Uh, 
Uh, we've looked at, again, I think CFOs right now uh, are, are making their money's worth. Uh, our CFO said he basically has a dozen scenarios that he's playing out right now, and I'm in constant contact with him as well as our athletic director, our university CFO, uh, of playing those scenarios out. Is it plausible? Yeah, absolutely. Um, is it going to set us back a couple of years as, a, as an institution? Yes. But this is what I keep telling our head coaches. Uh, the, the nice thing is if there is a silver lining to all of this, this isn't a Utah State. This is not a Southern Utah. This isn't a Dixie State problem. This is an everywhere problem. Uh, I would hope that we'll get some financial relief from the NCAA down the road. Maybe they backlog some of the, those finances. Uh, a lot of question marks, and, and I know it's not the greatest answer. I don't know what I don't know, and I know the NCAA doesn't know what they don't know. And, you know, every time we put out a press release in terms of COVID-19, it seems like within 48 hours there's a new change. It is such a fluid situation that I don't know if we can come out right now and say, hey, this is the way it's going to be because if the NCAA says we have a date by July 15th that we're going to have college football and all of a sudden by July 18th, everything magically, you know, we have a vaccine, everything seems to, to go fine and dandy. They're going to find a way to make sure that, that the college football, college basketball seasons happen. Hey, uh, Casey Smithway, by the way, uh, Senior Associate Athletic Director, Athletic Director of External Affairs from Southern Utah joins us. It's a mouthful, I know, right, Audrey? I, You know, I'm just trying to make sure I don't screw up the title or accidentally give you a promotion that you shouldn't be getting because I don't want your president well, to be listening I mean, we, to this. We, if you do, I could cut up the audio and probably say, <laughs> you know, President Wyatt and Debbie Corum, uh, no big deal. Hey, uh, I, I got to ask you, you are from, you spent a lot of time at Aggie Nation. Uh, I know you loved it there. What was the process and journey like in getting to Southern Utah? It was an adventure and it was a whirlwind. Uh, even just starting a new job and four and a half weeks later having COVID-19 crisis occur in a, in a position where I've been charged with to, to kind of help rebuild some of our revenue generation, uh, sponsorships, fundraising, really all of our, ex- our external affairs and the day-to-day oper- operations thereof. How it looked was, I mean, I wasn't even looking. Uh, I got a call in December from uh, Debbie. Uh, we have a very incestuous business uh, in collegiate athletics. And, you know, that every, everybody knows somebody and everybody's worked with somebody. And that call in December, I mean, the, the first couple of questions were, you know, what would it take or what would it look like for you to, to consider uh, coming down to, to Southern Utah University in a position that we, we really need and, and need kind of uh, somebody to, to get after it? And, and my response was, quite frankly, I said, you know, I, I love Utah State. Utah State's a great situation. Uh, my wife loves it here. You know, I have, a, I have a, a, a future that I can see play out very well at Utah State. Uh, and then when she said, well, Casey, you didn't answer my question. <laughs> Uh, I knew that there was going to be some serious conversations, and I, and I fought it. Uh, you know, I, I I remember one night Jerry Bovey came in. Uh, it was around seven o'clock at night. We were both working late, and he said, "Well, hey, did you uh, did you give him a call back?" And I said, "No." And he, he kind of said, "You know, you got to make that call." And I knew when I made that call that I knew it was going to be different, and it was very challenging. Utah State's a great place. SUU is a great place, but I'll, I'll quote Coach uh, Matt Wells, great Aggie, uh, when he was asked. Uh, you know, hey, are you going to come back and be our head football coach? Uh, he told a bunch of donors in, in, in a meeting, he said, I'm going to do what you all would do. I'm going to answer the phone. I'm going to listen. And I'm going to talk to my family. I'm going to make the best situation, best case uh, or best decision for my family and for my future. And, you know, the opportunity that SUU offered me is a place that I, I got my undergrad. I got my master's at Utah State. We have a lot of Utah State. Heck, uh, President Wyatt is a, you know, 
I think he was the the county uh, uh, attorney. County attorney, yeah. Cash County, yep. And uh, we have a lot of Aggies down here. Uh, you know, I like to call them. We got Thunder Aggies. Um, but it was a great opportunity to to further my my progression. And, and when they made the offer, and I talked to John Hartwell and, and Jerry Bogey, they both looked at me and just said, "Hey, this you can't pass that up." I mean, we we loved and appreciate what you've done here, uh, but this is a step for for your career. And it was nice to be able to to look back and, and see, you know, eight, nine years worth of memories. And I think the average athletic administrators at an institution from like 2.3, 2.5 years, something crazy. And to be at an institution where, you know, I met my wife, uh, got my master's degree, was able to really uh, find my, you know, passion and get to know some, some great people. And, uh, you know, I, I, I miss it, but I'm absolutely thrilled to be at Southern Utah University. It's a, uh, it's a perfect opportunity. It made way too much sense. And, you know, not to get spiritual, but uh, it felt right. It felt right. And, you know, as soon as I set foot on campus, even though I had doubts, uh, it felt right. And that's something that I, that I had to, to move forward with. And I, and I hope that uh, relationships continue. I, I told a bunch of donors that, you know, friendships and relationships uh, go beyond the color and the logo on your chest. And great fond memories at Utah State, but Southern Utah, we're, we're going to be on the map. It's a great opportunity, and we're going to be coming for folks. Well, Casey, we appreciate your time and perspective and how this is all affecting uh, athletics, but specifically a smaller institution like Southern Utah. And uh, certainly give our best to uh, uh, to Scott White. As you said, he's a Cache Valley native. He's uh, did a lot of things uh, here um, in Cache Valley before he, he moved along, and uh, he, not only as a county attorney, but as a state representative. So, uh, But thanks so much for, for the, the insight and appreciate your time today. Eric, Ajay, thank you so much. I appreciate all y'all in the media. You guys uh, really help our jobs. You really, you know, help inform those who want information. So thank you. I appreciate you. If there's ever anything that we can do for you, let us know. Um, and Ajay, thank you for being a donor at Utah State. We'd love to have you down here at Southern Utah for $4.17 a month as well. You can be a member. And uh, Eric, thank you so much. And uh, I'm, I'm glad I don't have to answer the questions of uh, if Eric Franson is the same Eric Franson that played on the Utah State Aggie basketball <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, fellas. Go T-Birds. Hey, thanks. All right, thanks, Casey. That's great stuff. That's really it, good It's stuff. an interesting perspective. Uh, just you know, um, somebody who's been here and been in this institution in uh, our neck of the woods with Utah State, but um, is in a smaller institution, still, still having to make budget. And uh, they're all facing similar problems, but how they attack them and, and how solvent are they? Uh, how, how big is that uh, athletic department, what their expenses are, what their reserves might be? Of course, athletics in most of these places around here, they don't have reserves. They're almost always in the black, yeah. or excuse me, in the red, uh, or at that fine line and, and uh, uh, working at, at, with very slim margins. But, um, but still, interesting perspective and uh, appreciate his time. All right, going to take a break. Coming back, we will uh, – it's about a five-minute break is what we're going to take. And we'll come back and we'll uh, get into more of the uh, of the full-court press. We'll wrap it up here. We're unfortunately not going to be able to get to Craig uh, Thompson today. We'll get to him tomorrow. Uh, but we'll uh, give you all the rest of the news and bits going on in the sports world today on the full-court press. Eric France and LJ Salveson, 1061 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. The Aggies, Jazz, High Schools, even the Pee Wee's T-Ball team. It's the Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, The Fan. Eric France and Ajay Salveson, Full Court Press, 106 on FM, 1390 AM, and 106 on thefan.com. Speaking of which, 
Our interview with Casey Smitherway, if you did miss it, is now posted on our podcast, so you can listen to it right now if you wish. But just wait for four more minutes. Give us four minutes with us and then jump onto the podcast. Or if you think, you know, hey, these why are these guys talking about Southern Utah? Why don't they talk about Utah State? Well, you'll find a ton of interviews that we've done with Utah State officials, uh, players, coaches, former players, athletic directors, um, all on podcasts. There you can go back and listen to those and uh, see how they're reacting and, and dealing with some of this, these strange times that we find ourselves in. So, Eric, give us some news and tidbits. Yeah, well, just some things. We kind of highlighted this early as we got into the show, but uh, some cool news today out of Utah State. Uh, they held their Whitesides Scholar uh, Awards. Normally they have a big luncheon and they recognize all these uh, student-athletes for their work in the classroom. And to be recognized, you have to have a cumulative 3.2 GPA um, or at least over the last two semesters, a 3.2. But there's a number of them that really excel in the classroom. And so I want to quickly mention those. Soccer senior uh, Miale uh, Enos. Don't know if I pronounced that right. If I mispronounced it, I'm sorry. But also track and field senior Stockton Smith. They were the top honorees this year. They received the Joe E. Whiteside Scholar-Athlete Award. Now, uh, Enos is set to graduate this spring with degrees in special education and communicative disorders. Awesome. Uh, Smith also graduating this spring with a degree in management information systems. Both are graduating with 4.0 GPAs. Uh, soccer senior Canyon Merrill and football grad student uh, grad student Jacoby Wildman received the Wayne Estes Memorial Award. That's presented to a male and female graduating senior who excels in scholarship, citizenship, and leadership. And then a few other quick notes. Uh, men's cross country named the top academic team with fewer than 20 members for the third consecutive year. Uh, and then the women's cross country top academic team with more than 20 members. And uh, they always do great. Uh, great academics in that program. They always exceed uh, and do well. Uh, but men's tennis was recognized the most improved uh, academic team. And then also some other awards. Molly Rowley, the student athlete tutor of the year. And Mary-Kate McGuire, student athlete mentor of the year. So uh, the full list of all 212 student-athletes uh, recognized, you can find it on cashvalleydaily.com. But uh, I always like to see uh, this thing that happens at the end of the uh, academic year to recognize the students for what they do in the classroom. Uh, often we talk about their achievements in the field of play, uh, if they get recognized as a conference athlete of the week or things like this. But uh, these are important things to note because this is going to affect them for the rest of their life. Uh, if they're doing well in the classroom. So congratulations to all the students and uh, doing well in the classroom at USU. Yeah, that is awesome. By the way, did you say Kenny Merrill? Is that Sam's wife, right? I believe uh, it is. You said soccer, right? Uh, Yes, soccer so senior Canyon Merrill. Yeah, Sam's a better half on that list. That doesn't surprise me at all one bit. <laughs> so congratulations to all the student-athletes. Uh, because of time, We'll push off uh, some of the other topics that we wanted to get into today with the interesting survey that was done talking about fan satisfaction in a group of five schools and different conferences. How satisfied are you with your TV deal, with your conference commissioner, things like that. And then more comments from conference commissioner Craig Thompson. Yeah, I'm actually looking forward to that. His, his comments in part one were really, really interesting. You could tell he's trying to... He wants sports back. He wants football to be here. But there's also a very, very high concern and priority to the athletes who are involved. and so Yeah, and in this second part that we'll air tomorrow, he talks more specifically about football and other fall sports. And he says what we've said, if there's one school 
in one area that can't have students on campus, basically it's going to affect the entire conference. So that's really interesting comments he has. So we'll we'll hear that tomorrow. For Casey, Eric, I'm Ajay. Hi, everybody. Have a great night. I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise. The NFL had a practice run-through for their first-ever virtual draft on Monday. Apparently, it didn't go well. There was a technical glitch on the very first pick by the Cincinnati Bengals. But you can't blame the Bengals. But still, there was a report that internet bandwidth was a problem. Just ask Fritzy when he's on the show. So if a GM's kid is surfing the web or somebody turns on Netflix, there could be an issue. Also, some GMs forgot to hit mute on Monday. Well, this could be either the worst draft ever or the best. Depends on your perspective. Parts of it could be entertaining in a train wreck kind of way. Or maybe the glitches will be small and barely noticeable. It's live TV. Even regular drafts have their issues. There's also the very real security concerns. It doesn't sound too far-fetched for somebody to hack into this. These are unprecedented times. One thing they probably won't have to worry about is ratings. This is the NFL Draft, and none of us are going to want to miss it. I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise.